Thank you one and all once again for tuning in to Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala, the podcast where I just sit down and talk with my friends about things going on in this world and what they've been up to and what they've been doing. And today is really, really special. It's one of those things where you go so long without seeing your people, but it's like, didn't miss a beat. That's true. I am sitting right here with Marty and Matt from Grimy Styles. What's up, Matt? If anybody knows me, uh, the, the 10 years ago me, or maybe a little more, Y'all were like my favorite band for a long time. You still are way up there, like. But this new album is really jamming. But for a while, I was just nuts well, for Grammy who, style. Who took our spot? That's what I want to know. Um, nobody. I don't even. I don't even like okay. music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. Thank no, you I mean, I'm saying like back in the day, man. I would. You were one of those groups, man. It was like you could definitely get me out, and you played a lot, man. Like it was like. The Flamingo Fridays, mostly, it, yeah. or Saturdays? Well, it's Saturday, ideally Saturday. Okay, Saturdays, yeah. yeah. And you'd pretty much, that, that was like a monthly, wasn't it? Yeah. Pretty much, once a month for yeah. years. Years. Yeah, you try to not, not oversaturate it, but yeah, as much as we could. I mean, we love the room, love Angelo, support yep. that. Exactly. Sixth Street, mixed feelings, but. Yeah, it was a little different back then. It was. But, you know, but I mean, seriously, like, you guys blew me away, because first of all, you know, regardless of anything, thinking about like what y'all did as a band from Texas in the world of dub was crazy to me because it was so proper and so intricate and also it was totally your own, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I know dub because of, of this guy, Matt. That's how I got into it. A lot of, a lot of study and listening to, to dub back, especially the college days where Marty and I met at Southwestern up in Georgetown. Yeah, this... uh. Did y'all start out in that sort of music, though? Because that's, I mean, it really, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I don't know how to put it without kind of gushing. Like, it blew me away when I saw y'all. Like, this is, I was like, wow, I found them. Right. Uh, well, I'm a classical kid. BB was, too. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, he's a drum major. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, I was. And a saxophonist. Man. But when um, I, I'm at the studio playing a <clears throat> nylon string guitar out in a grassy field. And uh, we nerded out on, on music and and. Classical and rock and electronic and all this stuff. And then he showed me, how's it? Uh, he showed me Pablo mm -hmm. and uh, made a mix CD. Mix CD, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Which was still one of the finest dub compilations. I just came mm -hmm. across it recently. And it was just scientists. Uh, it was like more of the older, like before Mad P stuff, you're doing Scientist, Tubby, Pablo, Little Prince Jammy. Yeah. Some like Jacob Miller mixes. Roots Radix. Roots Radix, yeah. Man. And then, uh, tell, I mean, so we started playing together uh, basically just to be weird. Mm -hmm. Like it was just, Grimy Styles was just, let's mix everything together and not sing and keep it engaging for however long we're playing, hour and a half, two hours, without having any vocals. That was the original challenge. And then Dub crept in more and more into it. And then when BB went down to Kingston, that really like locked in our connection with reggae, and we kind of did more weird versions of rhythms and such. Yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember the whole story when you went down there. Like you were playing with some major artists, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was lucky enough to play with a, you know, <clears throat> alongside a lot of those cats down there. That was, I think, my senior year, two thousand three, two thousand four. I think that was the fall two thousand three or so where I went down to the University of West Indies to finish my 
college degree mm -hmm. is cultural anthropology and kind of focusing on Afro-Caribbean studies mm -hmm. and uh, found this program, went down there and happened to meet um, uh, Rocky Gibbs, who was one of Joe Gibbs' uh, sons who ran a little music store down mm -hmm. in Kingston, just happened upon it walking around Man. and talking to him. He got me in touch with his brother, Stephen, uh, known as Gibbo. And uh, that's where we kind of linked up and started working in the original Joe Gibbs studio and cutting stuff, Rhythms and Capleton, Luciano, Luton Faya, Junior Reed, Coco T was on some stuff. Wow. Um, I Wayne kind of broke I Wayne with a, with a Hard Times Rhythm track. Uh, so for me, you know, it was mind blowing. What were you experience. playing? Playing guitar. Playing guitar, okay. Playing guitar. So he came back in, you know, this is before cell phone eras, really. So mm -hmm. just didn't see BB for four months. He comes back with all these stories. Then the Hard Times Rhythm drops. And it was a Capleton and Luciano being the main ones. And then I Wing. Mm -hmm. But it was just the number one hit for... You still hear DJs playing the... Yeah. What's the, what's the Capleton track? Uh, that Day Will Come? That Day Will yeah. Come. Bang. And we're like, <laughs> dude, really? Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty big, though. You went down there for schooling and ended up playing music on some big hits from, from Jamaica. Yeah. A lot of the... You know the the newer artists that I'd been listening to, and you know it was it was a dream come true to be able to have that experience. You know, going down there for school, but also having kind of a also having a entirely new schooling experience. Yeah, with some of these cats and meeting people like you know Horace Andy and Cedric <laughs> Mine from the Congos and Joe Gibbs, and uh, it was it was which we were fanboying out on Horace Andy. I bet. Which Gibbo was like, dude, you're in Texas, like seeing a steak, you know? Yep. That's Horace Andy. Well, that's. Like you a, see steak all the time. I'll freak out about a steak, but Horace Andy, what chow steak. But that's what's <laughs> amazing about traveling, though. When you go to these places that are there, I mean, to me and most people, Jamaica's, a, I've been there once, but it's a pretty mythical place, you know? And then you yeah. go down there and you're like, oh, there they are. We're on an island. Yeah. Kind of like here seeing Gary Clark Jr. at the. Just rolling around yeah. with the Antones. <laughs> Flamingo yep. or Antones, yeah. something yeah. like that. You know, but that's a that's really amazing. So, would you attribute that to like? It had to have been like a big like skills honing experience. Absolutely, uh, especially working with you know one of the legendary kind of reggae dub producers, uh, Et Earl Thompson, who Man. worked at Joe Joe Gibbs Studio. In him, you know, liking what I did, um, mm -hmm. and so it was reassuring. That whole experience was reassuring. Like, okay, this is you know this is what I need to be doing right now. And so I absolutely coming back from, from that experience and uh, working with Marty and uh, the other guys, it was definitely kind of went more in that dub mm -hmm. um, genre, I would say, after that. Which E.T. passed away after, I think the hard times was the last thing he worked on. That right? was the very last thing he worked on, yeah. yeah. And then whenever B.B. came back and what, a year and a half later... I went down there with them, and uh, ET, you know, is no longer. So they're looking for a new engineer, new producer, and and Gibbo just couldn't capture that same lightning in a bottle. I mean, ET, this guy's how many decades of experience mm -hmm. that he had. Um, so it, was, it never was the same. But to be in the old Joe Gibbs studio and all that, we have forty fives of all those, you know, that era with all Coco T and and I Wayne and Capleton, Luciano, all the rhythms. State of Emergency was another one we did. Was that third rhythm? That, uh, the track or the rhythm was not well run. Yeah, yeah, with Renaco on there. 
But yeah, it was a good time. I mean, then we bring it back and we're just like, let's make that as weird as possible. Like right. that experience and mix in. I mean, BB's a huge metalhead, so mm-hmm. that always creeps in. I love especially uh, on the second album. I feel yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Let, let him loose a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I think that's just evolution as well as being a musician and kind of going back to your roots, your yeah, roots sure. a little bit. You know, uh, being authentic to yourself as well. But yeah, yep. Were you Marty? Were you playing as well, or just engineering when you're down there? Uh, I was playing keys. Playing yeah, keys. a little melodica and keys. Well, I was gonna say, like you mentioned, Augustus Pablo, and I felt like you really channeled channeled Augustus Pablo, on, especially on that first album. Yeah, I mean, on a lot of the songs. He's the one that taught me how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not not yeah, physically. Exactly, yeah. I wish, but sure. uh, you know, listening because uh, to be an instrumental band, I feel like BB does a good job with this too. To sing with your instrument. Yeah. Um, you're not just playing a melody. You're 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 basically having sentences and we do call and response and that sort of thing. And that was something that Pablo did because the melodica is a very expressive instrument and you can listen to, you know, someone just pick it up and they play it. But, um, it's something that he did where you could use it like it's a breath almost. And that was something I just tried to tap into as much as possible and then kind of get my own, you know, not instead of being, uh, it was fruitful. like trying to fly into this mic, just, so you know, um, <laughs> every time, uh, try and get my own take on you know instead of being uh, a carbon copy of pablo well this is through the the my approach to it sure sure man that used to like because when i was in high school <clears throat> i've told this story a million times but my my kind of ogs were you know three just weed heads in college then i was in high school and they had a sunday night reggae show and i loved reggae at a young age and living in Pennsylvania, in Erie, Pennsylvania, there weren't a lot of opportunities to really experience it other than when you find a record, you just buy anything just to hear what it, you know, what it was. And these guys had records and kind of inspired me to just always look for them whenever I'd go out, out of Cleveland or something like go to the night, bigger record stores and stuff. And they got kicked off the radio for playing too many weed songs and pretty much talking about (laughs) weed all the time. And it was a Catholic university. And, um, I was there like right after at the, this apartment and they were all just complaining about it. And I was like, man, I wish I could take over that radio show. I've got a lot of reggae records. And he goes, man, just call this number right now and tell them, just say exactly what you just said. Say, you know, I heard they got kicked off the radio. I've got a lot of reggae records. I'd be interested. And I was like, man, there's no way they're going to say yes to me. I'm in high school. I don't know this dude. What are you crazy? And I called them. On the spot, they made me call him right there. And I was like, hi, I'm, uh, my name's Matt. I have a lot of reggae records, and I heard you uh, canceled the guys on Sunday nights. And, uh, and he's like, you got a lot of record, radio, reggae records? All right, if you show up at uh, – it was a 10 o'clock show. <laughs> like, show up at like 9.45, the reggae man, who was another guy before – he did a reggae show before these crazy guys, and he did a real proper show. So I show up about 9.45. He'll show you how to do the board, and, uh, yeah, give it a shot. And I was like – what for real (laughs) that's awesome yeah man so i was like it kind of taught me a lesson in life of like make the call like go see you know give it a shot you know because i was like i was shocked i didn't meet the dude we showed up and the reggae man took us under his wing it was really cool and that was like my that was literally my first foray into radio at all i feel like you know a lot of people and a pretty connected dude i feel like is that is that the thing you just don't hesitate to call you just 
I think out. I was better at it then than now. But yeah, <laughs> basically, if you need, if you want it, you got to get it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, I was uh, 16 then, so I didn't know as many people. But I somehow I knew the dudes that did the reggae show at the, <laughs> at the college, and it just happened. That was my first like foray into it. So I've always like, I mean, I love the sound. I love the music. In fact, as I get further away from being able to listen to a lot of the new hip hop, even though there's a lot of good stuff at the moment, things are coming out again. Reggae is always what I kind of would defer to, mm-hmm. you know. And so I said all that to say, like, I was when y'all blew me away, like when I saw you and I watched you like melt people's minds many times. Like I took a lot of people to their first Grammy style shows and a bunch of rappers and people like that would come out. Like, you have to see them when you come to Houston. Like, you have to come to this night. And they'd all be like, oh, my, what is this? You know, it it was always a lot of fun, man. I remember one show in particular was my going away show to move to when I was moving to Austin yeah. at the proletariat in Houston. And that club was one of those clubs that was like always a good vibe. That was all that was like the spot for a few years. Um, you know? My favorite show we ever did in Houston. Absolutely. Man. Hands down. Yeah. And that night was real special. And uh <clears throat> Fat Tony was on stage with mm-hmm. you. Cam Franklin of the Suffers was singing on stage with you way before the Suffers. Uh KB the kidnapper of Street Military, like one of the origins of Houston rap was on stage with y'all and others. It was crazy. Yeah. And uh, Rapid Rick, too, was the, the DJ. I think we were doing – that was an interesting format, which we should – I would love to do this again in the future. You have a DJ for 45 minutes, and then we did a set for 45, like just a shotgun set. And, mm-hmm. then, and then Rick came back out. Yeah. And it was, it was ideal. Man, it was a party. It was crazy. And then, yeah, Rick, we gave him a record, and then he hit us up. I was like, hey, can I put you on that mixtape? And then that... Um, with Charlie Boy. With Charlie Boy, yeah. Which, there's not, you know, we don't have a vocalist, obviously. Right. And it was fun. And Bavu was on that as well. That's right, Bavu. Yeah. And uh, that, was on a, that was on a What to Do mixtape. Uh-huh. What was the name of the song? Your, your original? Uh, Junior Kong Part 1 Junior was Kong our track. Kong. And then uh, Still Standing. That was okay. the, Still Standing, that's the right. Charlie Boy. Man. Yeah, it's still out there. It's in digital. Yeah, realm. that's dope. Um. I love Charlie Boy. Me too. And he's still hitting, man. He's still coming with it. Yeah. I was actually uh, listening to KZI randomly recently, which I don't know if y'all have checked out KZI lately, but it's it's gotten like really good. Okay. Like for old soul, old hip hop. Like I feel like it was a little too clean for a while. Uh huh. And they're and they're not like raw now, but they're like they play like when they're playing the old school hip hop. It's the stuff you want to hear, and it's not just the hits. They play the hits too, but they go a lot deeper. It's been sounding real good lately, but I heard like a brand new Charlie Boy song three weeks ago or whatever, and it's like, this is the number one song on KZI right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Like, oh, damn, Charlie Boy. Oh, yeah. That was great. Then uh, you mentioned that Wiz Khalifa and Burner. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's my theory of how. Um, so that track showed up. So a friend of ours, uh, Sebastian, sent us a message. It was like, hey, do you know that the Junior Kong's on this? On this tune, what was the name of the tune? Uh, Heron. Heron, yeah. And it's Burner, which I met Burner years ago in San Francisco. He was, uh, you know, one of my friend's neighbors. And, uh, you know, just acquainted with him. And then uh, Young Dolph and Wiz Khalifa were the featured artists on it. Wow. I'd be like, man, that's cool. Like, yeah. I think that's very cool to be a part of it, but there's no no request whatsoever. No. and Or even just featuring. 
Yeah. So we're not the type to get litigious, but we happen to have a friend that was an entertainment lawyer. He's like, we're going to reach out to Burner. So that's still up in the air right now, how it's going to work out. Uh, I think we've we've reached a settlement on it. Grimey's not trying to get make millions or anything, but if Burner would have been like, hey, can we use your track? Put feature mm-hmm. Grimey stuff? By all means. You know? Absolutely. Like, this is Absolutely. something that's, and, and, you know, essentially there's like a form letter with his management that if, if uh, you're, if there's any sort of copyright infringement, you just fill out a form letter. So I don't know if that's their MO, how they roll, but. I mean, mixtape culture, I mean, they basically just jack the beats and rap over just like yeah. plates and, you know, different sure. versions in Jamaica are supposedly, but it's, it hasn't been that rampant. Lately. No. I think the mixtape culture's kind of slowed. That's weird. How did, did he just maybe have a CD from back then? Yeah, that's a good question. No idea. No huh. idea. I'm guessing it's the Charlie boy, you know, like, oh man, look at that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the, the what it do. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Well, so that's not out yet? or The Heron? Yeah. Yeah, it's out. Yeah, go, it, go check it out. Four or five years ago it came out, and we just found out about it this last year. Yeah. What? That's yeah. crazy. So Is it four or five years ago, actually? I, yeah. I do believe it did, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So it's, it's been out for a while, and we just never caught wind of it until, like Marty said, our buddy Sebastian pointed it out. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, like he said, it's great, you know, to be, of course we would let someone, yeah, go for it, you know, yeah. exposure and community style, but yeah. Anybody yeah. else just hit us up. We'd love to be a part of it. Yeah. Just hit us up. <laughs> have you all recorded? I mean, I know you've done cool stuff live and stuff, but have you ever done any projects with vocalists or with singers or have they ever, have they brought you in to back them up? No. Oh, well, actually recently that Eddie thing. Um, yeah, well, we, we were just kind of st- session players. Mm-hmm. For um for our buddy Eddie uh, Eddie Inu, just stage it's a stage name right I Eddie believe Inu. so yeah and um and you know I got I was doing the engineering for it here he's out in California or in Hawaii one or the other and then uh, our buddy PJ is up in in Portland and so we're all sending tracks back and forth it's kind of during pandemic era and he wanted to get Chris in to get some bass lines and some backup singing and mm-hmm. some of my keys and I was like you know who you need. You need Matt Beebe you mm-hmm. need to have the full wrecking crew come in. And I think the recordings are great. You yeah. know, it was it's, fun to kind of do classic roots stuff too. Yeah. Definitely kind of going back to kind of the bread and butter laying down rhythm kind of style. Yeah. Music. Um, That's dope. We hear Beebe do like, uh, you know, some Jerry Garcia style lines in there. A little bit of a uh, red hot chili pepper style parts too, which it's fun. You know, Step is it out? out of that box. It just came out. Yeah. Last week. Ah, okay. Yeah. And y'all, the whole project? The whole project, the whole record. You were on, what, seven tracks on there? Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. That's yeah. dope. Did y'all yeah. ever, like, back up anybody live? We did that Joe V. Rockwell. That was uh, back in the day. That's right. That's, yeah. that's, that's South, what I was South trying to remember, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Did a couple shows with her. That's um, right. Which was definitely, you know, for us, a, a new experience at, mm-hmm. that, at that time, especially right. working working with a singer and... Which she was, is that I love that record. That or it's kind of like an EP that we got at the time, and her tracks are really good. Um, she seemed a bit green on stage. That was uh, that was a challenge for us, but it's, I remember those those tracks were really good. I wonder what she's up to. Yeah, I I haven't heard that name. And we knew her through like Gibbo back in the day. Like that was like before we even did that. Gibbo was talking about her. She was a young new artist out of Kingston. Mm-hmm. And she was on some label, some kind of hip label that I can. Can't remember. Yeah, that was. I mean, as a Puma show. Wow, man. Yeah. Damn, that's right. That's crazy. Remember when corporations, yeah. sneaker brands and stuff, would pay bands to play music? Yep. 
Cigarettes too. We played. Oh, I know. <laughs> the camel show. Camel, couple oh, yeah. camel shows. With Sister Nancy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still drive my Scion because of what they did for the music community. Oh man, that's amazing. That was uh, those were the days though. Those shows were crazy combinations, yeah, right. and they were putting money behind like actual cool, fun things. You know, yeah. and that Puma show. My boy Paul Stewart. He's the one. He was the connection there actually. Okay. And Paul Stewart oh, was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah like music supervisor on like John Singleton films. And before that he was, I knew him from delicious vinyl. Like he's always been like in the mix Word. with that sort of thing. And he's done a lot of like film sync work and putting things together like that. Really cool dude. And you really just sparked all the memories of that one. Cause I was, I was baiting you a little bit with that. Cause I knew you did. And I was trying who was that? What was that show? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jovi Rockwell. Well, I guess like South by is the only time we see that, mm-hmm. that corporate sort of shows popping up. But it seemed like it used to happen all the time. I mean, in Austin. the Scion thing used to be monthly, and you know, a Red Bull yeah. used to do things all That's the time. Right. You know, that Camel thing was so weird because you you were doing a Camel promotion, but you weren't actually allowed to like promote Camel. But people would just kind of come around and say, "Do you want a free pack of cigarettes?" Yeah, and you'd give them all your information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was wild. But that I think that's how the Sister Nancy show happened. Yeah, that, I think that was a Camel back thing. That was. Why was it? Was it Camel? American Spirits? Or it was something. It, yeah. I remember doing something with them as well. I feel like we were trying to get American Spirit shows because we, we smoked spirits at yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we weren't smoking yeah. Camels. We're like, well, we're going to be a part of some sort yeah. of big big tobacco. American Spirit didn't need to promote in Austin. No doubt. We all smoked no, yeah. that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I first saw them here. And uh, I was like, oh, this is a healthier Oh, yeah, healthy cigarettes. Oh, yeah, great. But they did burn a lot slower, so they had less gunpowder, I'm going to assume. Yeah. Or no gunpowder, as far as what they'd say. You know, I would tell myself I I feel less awful in the morning after (laughs) (laughs) chain smoking those. But that's Sister Nancy, Queen Majesty. Moss Man was was with Sister Nancy. You guys, that was incredible. Yeah. And you were at Flamingo for years running sound as well. Uh-huh. So I know you saw some things down there. Oh, man. Yeah. That was, it was, that was a great gig. Stressful and great. Yeah. South by Southwest. Oof. Like, I remember one gig I was doing at South by So it's like day three of South by Southwest where you're just dragging ass. I'm going out in the evening, working the day shifts because Angie's doing day parties there. Mm-hmm. And I get there early in the morning and I'm playing like, uh, you know, some like peaceful theremin music, just trying to get center myself. And the band shows up, and they're from from uh, UK. And you know, I'm not a prejudiced person, but I've, as a sound guy, usually UK bands are usually more high maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Fuck, okay, you know, this is what we have to start with." They're all setting up. I have the drum riser setting up. I have all the microphones set up for the drums. And the guy's like, "You know, I, I I'm the lead singer is like, I'm going to move the drum kit. I, I play a drums while I sing." And I was like, "Here we go. All right." Move the mics down, get it all set up, get them sound checked, and they hit it. And I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are good. Like, it was just, as soon as they hit it, I I didn't care. I'll move your drum mics anywhere because mm-hmm. I don't want to go through all this if you suck. But they were absolutely amazing. And this is noon on a Thursday at Flamingo Cantina. That band, Mumford & Sons. Oh, wow. That's where they first started. It was their first tour in the United States. And with only five seconds, I could tell, like, this is... These guys are, Man. you know, they're going somewhere. I don't remember that, Marty. That's really? awesome. Yeah. It just taught me, like, it usually the sound guy's an asshole. Like, that's mm-hmm. how. But yes. it taught me after that, don't ever come in with any presuppositions about what the band's going to be. 
you could have some with someone you think's gonna be really cool and they're gonna be an ass. But mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, okay, you know, that was I great. Mean, that's a the coolest one of the coolest things about the Austin experience. Like if you're really here and really a part of it over those years, and when South by would come through, but even regular days, it's a crazy music city. But those South by days, when you would see. And everybody talks about what we've lost and what's changed or whatever. And right. maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, because I'm definitely not at Flamingo at noon on Thursday yeah. ever. But uh, back then, like, the craziest things you would see, and then all of a sudden, boom. Like, man, I saw them at the at Flamingo. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Like Santi Gold, I think yeah. it was that same year. It just blew me away. For real. That, sh- that was fun. I mean, we had Diplo at uh, 7 Degrees or something it was called. Some random bar yeah. on 7th Street, just west of Red River, like that little strip of bars. Like, he played there. And MIA played uh, 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 Elysium. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Her first show down here was That's at Elysium, awesome. straight up. And he took his stuff. Diplo walked across the street with his record bag or whatever he had at the time, computer or whatever, and walked into Elysium after doing his set at zero degrees. It was called zero, zero degrees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that spot. And walked over to Elysium and did that. Like, those are the days. And then this year, to be honest with you, um, I, we went out six days in a row for South By. Nice. Like, I didn't expect to do all that, but it was really cool because the overkill did not come back. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I hate, I mean, I, we all say the same things, I think. I don't know about you guys, but we always have this conversation, but it was like back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was fun, actually. The music was, there wasn't a Dorito stage. Yeah. You know, right. Right. it was really, I felt great. Well, I, yeah, Aaron and I went out for three nights of that. And I remember we were kind of, you know, using the same way. It's like, oh man, this is like the good old days. Yeah. And then uh, we were talking with Mary, who's like, you know, has worked for South by for mm-hmm. 25 years or something. She's like, well, don't get used to it next yeah, right. year. Next year they, you know, they, but they perfect purposely did only two thirds or one half of what the billings Mm-hmm. And the caps that they were just in preparation for, you know, what's the next variant. Yeah, who knows? But next year it's going to be, it'll be back on. Uh, don't bet on it, monkey pox. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, who knows? I, I mean, every, it's, it's almost as surreal. Like the, the pandemic was surreal times. It was really crazy times. And, and, but getting back to it is also surreal to mm-hmm. me. Like being in a room with a bunch of people. And I'm like, I li- we weren't allowed to do this just a couple right. of years ago. What is going on? You well, know? Yeah, you know, we, we sat here thinking about all the shows. We were kind of like, nah, I don't feel like going mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And yeah. it was, we'd get tickets and be like, you know, eh, I don't feel like going out this weekend. Yep. Like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to sleep on stuff. No, no, exactly. I'm paying. I'm not, you know, if my friends play, I'm coming out, I'm paying. I don't care, man. We, we got to get back to it for sure. Yeah. So, uh, make the build this economy and this our our scene and world back up for sure and i'm excited to see you guys on the 24th yeah at mohawk yeah, mohawk superphonicos yeah we're gonna be the early bill good which is you know playing hitting the stage at 8 p.m mm-hmm. sounds awesome is this in celebration of your new album yeah i mean it is yeah. here's the deal um if i hear supply chain issues one uh, time, yeah, 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 uh we should have the record good by the show Good for, um, for a record release party. Yeah, well, it's not billed as a record release party. Yeah, because I can't guarantee that it actually will be there. Mm-hmm. I'm using a local pressing plant. There's been a lot of back and forth, uh, sure. a lot of issues there. 
um, with uh, staffing or machinery, that sort of thing. Air conditioning. Air conditioning, which is important in Texas Oof. whenever you're operating machinery. Yeah. Uh, so, the uh, you know, I talked to the guy yesterday. He said, it will, we, will, um, we will have your record by the 24th. So, I'm hesitant to be like, yes, it's a record release mm-hmm. party. But I know, I mean, it, it will be. It What's will the record be. called? Late Pioneers of Psych Dub. Exactly. That's dope. Now, yeah. I, all three of your records to me are pretty different. Like the last one, I mean, I love all three of them. The first one was like that mind bender to me. And the, ne- the next one was more knowing you guys and stuff and hearing more of the influences come through was really interesting. And then uh, this one is just like, you're back in uh, outer space, man. Yeah, it's very much a trip. Yeah. Uh, the second record was uh, live. You know, it was yeah. it, the, the entire record was one take. There's no overdubs wow, okay. in it. Okay. And that was something that, you know, we talked about that we wanted to do. Capture more of the, the live experience, kind of what we do, the live dub. Sure. Where the first album, Rewind, was definitely very much at the controls, mm-hmm. you know, methodically kind of planning out, you know, splash here, hit here. Uh, but Disterio was definitely kind of what we do when we play live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is something that when we try to figure out how to dub, we were thinking, well, we need to get, uh, you know, engineer. Because mm-hmm. there's this band, uh, you probably remember him, Sub Oslo, back in the day. Yeah, I was going to ask you, was Chris in Sub Oslo? No. No. His hair, you know, it looks yeah. like he could he could have snuck in there and played keyboards right. or something. But, okay. Uh, I used to see them. I saw them, like, that was a random Austin moment of when I lived in Houston, and someone took me out to a, uh, like, a, it wasn't a rave, but it was definitely not a bar. It was like a party, kind okay. of a, a weird scene party. And I was like, damn, who are these guys, too? I had no idea what I was walking into and I got to see them live. Yeah. Uh, we would come down. Uh, that era, we were, BB and I were up in Georgetown. We would come down for all the shows. It's like transcendental moments mm-hmm. yeah. there. Yeah. And um, that's a major part. I mean, that's the name of the record is Late Pioneers of Psyched Up mm-hmm. because I feel like people like Sub Oslo are the early pioneers mm-hmm. of this later movement of, of like these modern dubsters. And not dumpsters, dubsters. dubsters. Yeah. Um, and they had this guy named Knuckles that was their, their engineer. Mm-hmm. And he would be, Quincy was a drummer, and he would just be dubbing the hell out of, out of the drums. And we you know, thought about this. Should we get an engineer, work with somebody, and we just kind of play rhythms, and they, they dub us out, and we couldn't find that person. So, mm-hmm. okay, BB's, he's going to do his effects. I'll do my effects. Dubist was... You know, has a microphone on his drums and a mixer and his his analog delays and phasers and all that, and he does his stuff. And Chris has got his pedal board, so that was that was our approach. Instead of one engineer, we each are engineering our own thing and come mm-hmm. together. And then that's what we want to do on Dysteria. There's no post dubbing; it's all what we're doing in the take. Well, Dysteria, I remember one of the things before I got together, like officially with my wife. Um, we would connect on like a Sunday. She was in London at 7 p.m. and it was 1 p.m. here and I'd put on the David Rodigan radio show. Oh, yeah. Like that was like, that's I, to this day, we listen to it pretty much every week. And I think I just messaged you on Gmail or somewhere, like Gchat or something. And I was yeah. like, dude, you should send your, this record's dope. You just send it to David Rodigan because he, he's wide open to all kinds of different music, you know, reggae from all over. And the week... He, he played it like three times that I heard, but the first time he played it, 
He read all your names. I don't know if you ever actually yeah, got to yeah, hear yeah. this. Yeah, he read all your names off. Was like just gushing over this record. Yeah, I love Talk, that dude. I mean, he talked for like three, four minutes about the record. And he's like, I've got this piece of vinyl in my hands. It's a, <laughs> uh, from Texas. Like, yeah, yeah. I, we'll definitely send him a new one. Yeah. Uh, Rod, again, when we travel around in our 86 Vandura, that was Dubbis. Would, we'd had a little TV in the back and a DVD player. I don't know how many times we bumped that Rod again. Sound Clash series. A lot. Was, yeah. A lot. Big, big part of us on the road was Ram Jam. Man, that's amazing. That was so cool. And I just lost my shit. I was like, what? He didn't just play the record. Like, it was a yeah. great record out of Texas. That's awesome. Like, he was gushing. That was, that was stoked for that. How much, uh, how extensively were you guys able to tour before the pandemic? We hit it for a while there. Yeah. We had a, we had a good stint. Um, I would say before 2010 2012 we were playing a whole lot yeah mm-hmm. we like were, the 2009 yeah. era 2008 yep it was yeah well, seaboard to seaboard mm-hmm. yeah. not in one run but it was early 2000s when we got out of school that uh you know we found jobs that allowed us to be flexible and hit the road as much as we could and that that's exactly what we did and um and then you know things change um I went back to grad school, Marty. I forget when it was that uh, you and Aaron moved out west. Two thousand ten. Uh, Two thousand ten. So of course that was mm-hmm. know, couldn't couldn't do as much playing right at that point. Um, but yeah, definitely hit the road a whole lot. Yeah, it was a time we, you know we just made a decision. It was kind of the band was at a certain point where we we're having trouble moving forward, and and I. Aaron and I are having trouble finding jobs in the city. Sure. It was like at that time, 2010, it seemed like every cool job we're looking for, they wanted to hire someone from California or New York. So we're like, well, let's move to California or New York. Yeah. And I then come you. back here and get a job. Now I hear you. I remember that, that little, high. I was sad. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> My people. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we kept but, it going, you know, no, I feel I like, know. I feel like we we're kind of at each other's throats at the time too. So it might've mm-hmm. saved the band. Yeah. To you a certain know. degree. Because yeah, there were a couple like shows where you came back. I remember yeah. a show at Flamingo that was just kind of out of the, you know. We did 2011 South by. That was a great South by. There's that movie uh, Austin High that picked up some of our tunes at soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. that party. Um, but yeah, it was a long distance thing and just kind of kept the thing. You know, Grimy Style has always been to me just a, a mission. You know, mm-hmm. like something that that it's our responsibility to the four of us uh, and to anyone that loves it to keep it going. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, labor of love. Absolutely. You know, I think it was, a, you know, we went a couple of years almost, I think for a while without playing a show yeah. or playing together. And then coming back, it was like riding a unicycle. <laughs> you know, I've uh, tried to ride a unicycle. It's not, <laughs> that sounds difficult. Let's take a quick musical break. Can I play something from the new album? Yeah. What do you, what do you want me to play? What do you think? I don't know. What would be a good one? The uh, debut. Um, since we're talking about the old school, I'd say maybe play Trolled because this is this is kind of like uh, it's classic grimy mm-hmm. with our new uh, you know new toys okay. that we bring there, and this is something that BB wrote. I had I have you, you know that movie Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. So BB uh, has a daughter Mary. Mary's now just turned twelve. She's, she's 12, twelve now. And I was like, you need to show Mary Dark Crystal. He's, you know, this is, mm-hmm. and BB really, he slept on it when he was a kid. I'm a super fantasy nerd. Yeah. So he watched it and he watched, you watched the series too, right? 
Uh, we we started the series, but it was the movie that okay. you told the us movie, to watch. Yep. So. And uh, I was I was like, can you write anything inspired by it? So that's Trolled was inspired by the dark fantasy. Amazing. Well, y'all stick around here. The debut Trolled, the new album from Grimy Styles, should be out in the next few weeks on all platforms. Uh, yeah, every Everywhere. single one of them, including Wax. Including Wax. And uh, we'll be right back after this.
we've been i thank you for the advance on this uh album it takes me back to my days of of doing radio and actually being the first to have things now that's something that's a, a big um quandary in my life actually that i'm not first all the time anymore the internet people just drop things at three in the morning and it's just out and everybody's got it yeah. you know i used yeah. to love to have the tapes and nobody had yeah and now I've got your album in the car, jamming right now. We actually jammed it on the highway down to Corpus Christi. Great for the beach, great for uh, the long haul, man. I was, I'm definitely excited about it. But we have to touch on, you're putting out an album in 2022. How were y'all creating throughout the pandemic? Like from start, you know, in the beginning when you couldn't be around each other to yeah. this album. I think a lot of a lot of the a lot of this album it just had to do with things falling into place at the right time. Uh, there was lineup changes in the band, mm-hmm. um, and that definitely lent itself towards. You know, my favorite thing about being in grimy is writing. Mm-hmm. That that is where I'm the happiest of creating ideas coming together. Marty hears this idea, or he tells me, "Hey, I hear this," and he'll sing a couple notes, or you know, and I run with that. Um, so it was with the start of the pandemic, it was like, we can do anything and to try and find a drummer and practice all the time. That just wasn't, wasn't going to be in the cards at that time for us where, Mm -hmm. where we all were. Um, so in a lot of ways it was liberating to be able to just write whatever, Mm -hmm. um, still kind of have that, that dub backbone, but not necessarily the dub reggae it was just very freeing to kind of play whether it be marty's electronic influence or prog rock you know exotica coming through mm-hmm. um so it, it was just kind of between marty and i sending ideas back and forth to each other and building on that you know try this try that but it happened really organically it wasn't a forced right thing necessarily yeah and it's bouncing. I mean, I feel like the versions. I was doing mixes here at the house. Most every recording is like version 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Is just keep on adding it or changing it. And we, then we would get once we get up to the version ten or so, get Chris and come down here. And you know, it was, it was the era we're all masked up and and in my living room tracking the bass. And Chris is a perfectionist, so mm-hmm. it's one tune. So just go ahead and stake out the whole day for one tune, right? Right. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> If he's not happy with it, it's not going to happen, you know, which is great, space. which is kind of that, um, the way I think we've always approached the music as, yeah. as students, uh-huh. you know, uh, there's a bit of roughness around the edges, but yeah, God bless him. He's <laughs> ama- amazing for that. Wants to get his best. And we actually, I don't know if you noticed on the record, there's some vocal parts in there too. Mm-hmm. No words, still no lyrics, yeah. but, um, the first track we did was the dime. There's a video online, uh, where my boy Moses and I, we went, it was right when everything shut down and, and BB and I were, you know, recording this Dimes track. And then we went and did, uh, we just filmed what 6th Street looked like mm-hmm. and then put a mirror on it. So it looks all trippy and stuff. But um, that was the first recording we did. And then just kind of built. It's like, okay, we can do another one like that. Yeah. yeah. So, it's kept on rolling. You, you sent me, I think, two or three ideas. And, you know, I think that was... Uh, I'm a middle school teacher, history teacher. And so, of course, when the pandemic hit, we were doing what every teacher was doing and teaching from home. So I was around my equipment and Mm -hmm. music a lot. So it was, you know, conducive to me. All right, here are these ideas. So I had the time at home. And so it all 
worked out for the best. Yeah. Know? It was about having fun, really, Matt. I mean, which which we've always done with it. But like I said, for for me as a musician, this record especially was liberating. Right. Um really kind of Marty and I try this, try that, watch this movie, see what you get out of it. You know? I feel like more emotional than our records typically because it you know, it's this shitty time. It was and <laughs> like, it was a beautiful time, but shitty. Like time with the family is great. Yeah. There's my ice maker. There's the ice yeah, maker. It's showing off. Um, and so I think a lot of that comes out in the record. Frustration. And mm-hmm. and also, like, there, you know, I was transferring a lot of old family stuff from VHS. So I was watching a lot of old, like, stuff on the VCR. Hmm. So a lot of that warble, a lot of that looking back to the 80s that sure. came through on it. Um, and then we'd have a drummer. So uh, we had uh, Alex Gazemar. From Vallejo. From Vallejo is a you know a neighbor of BB and he's on a tune. Okay. And uh, and then Chris is on a tune. BB's on a tune from the drum kit we have here in the house. And then it's Mister Drum Machine Robot on a lot of other stuff. Okay. So you didn't have a, your new drummer. No, Johnny came Johnny. after. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm asking this because you know through the this series of podcasts, this Talk So Real series, where I've been doing. Of course, I'm talking mostly to DJs, couple rappers. Producers who all work alone, you know, but you guys are a band, a four piece or three piece mm-hmm. on the recording part. I mean, were you guys doing like Zoom practices or, I mean, because the DJs and stuff were utilizing all this technology to get their music back, you know, to keep com- keep it connecting to the public. But were you guys doing anything doing like Zoom that? meetings basically to kind of talk yeah. about stuff and catch up. But as far as it yeah. is so hard to, no. to capture that, I can't imagine. And latency and everything, you know, yeah. it's. I, I, we couldn't we couldn't figure that out. So it was basically send track, send track, and then we'd all convene just for Chris to put his parts down. Or you know, a couple of overdubs. He did a couple sure. things here. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. later in the process when things kind of eased up. I mean, I was going through moments in 2020 where I mean, like I I quit social media for two years. I quit. I couldn't. I really did not want to see you play guitar in your living room. To be honest, at yeah. first I did. At first I was like, okay, this is what we're doing, and then I got real scared, like. This can't be normal. This can't be what it's going to be sustainable forever. for, no for a long time. Not even sustainable. It's just depressing. Yeah. You know, like, at least, I mean, I hope, you know, I know some artists got some money in their pocket for it. I support that. That's that we did what we had to do. But it, I really had to step away from watching the uh, the screen for a little while uh-huh. here, which was also a really positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. kind of went through the same thing, Matt, with kind of getting off all social media. <laughs> you know, and at first, like you were saying, with kind of all the, you know, virtual concerts at first it was like, okay, something different. But to me, it quickly just became, all right, well, that's not interested. Yeah. You know, it was really, uh, kind of sterile. Yeah. Even when it was good, it was kind of like, Oh, especially when, you know, like the no audience, like I couldn't watch, you know, soccer with the fake audience sound in the back and no one in this crowd or it was just so depressing. It hit Yeah. Watching like boxing, Nobody there it was like just watching two dudes in the sparring in the. What about WWE? Did you watch any of that with I no one not. there? That's that's an intense little situation. <laughs> <laughs> All that shit was man, it was crazy. But here we are. It's a new day and a new album yeah. about to drop, and it's really exciting because uh, I don't know. Like I said, I I felt it when you moved. Honestly, I was like, damn man, that's my group. Yeah, you know. And but then I mean, over the years, the, the Dysteria album, and I, I I came to the. I missed one of your reunion shows at Flamingo, but I was at definitely a couple. Mm-hmm. But I missed one. I had to do something in Houston, and I was pissed. 
But that was that was that was definitely tough when uh, yeah. Marty moved moved off for a little bit, and, and especially because I had just bought a new new amp, a new guitar, oh, a new pedal board. <laughs> I was very excited. Then Marty's like, "Well." I'm out, guys. Yeah. Uh, no, but no one was aside, writing music. We weren't writing music. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was what needed to happen. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was. You gotta, that, it you was gotta kick, up, kick up the dust. You know. Yeah. No, I love. I, you guys are like a secret weapon. I'd be like, you gotta come see this man. People would be like, what the who? Dub from Austin? No, it's even worse. You're from Austin. Yeah. Shit. You know, like what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, bam! Check it out. Yeah. Everybody would lose their minds. It's so cool, and I'm so glad to be sitting here with you guys again today. Yeah, man. Me too. Me For too. sure. And we have a, you know, we before the pandemic, we were working on another record. So mm-hmm. there's a whole record written. Yeah, I have that, two songs that are dubiously labeled that I don't even know what they are, but yeah. they're in a folder that says like Martin or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Those, that's remember. actually with Johnny. Um, okay. Our, Johnny Radalot, who's our, our new drummer now. Uh, those are tracks that are in the next record. There's okay. basically demos that were recorded, but it's a whole kind of epic tale that that we have written that we write the music after you write the story so mm-hmm. we can't wait we can't wait to do this thing that's exciting i mean are y'all in any other bands no 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 i mean i have my own clang side yeah. project but right. yeah but you don't have a secret metal band you better not Matt. <laughs> it's so <laughs> secret i can't talk about it <laughs> yeah. no surprisingly surprisingly no uh i write i write my own stuff at home just to mm-hmm. you know so i can get my rocks off and and you know do that kind of stuff chris uh bass player he's in um works with mountain time mm-hmm. yeah which uh is working with chris simpson which was kind of one of his longtime idols and heroes of band uh, out of houston out of houston yeah i believe he minerals out of houston yeah mineral okay um so, emo band it's chris's you know favorite band ever this is a life dream that he just is now playing with the lead singer oh the band mineral mineral yeah okay mm-hmm. crazy so he he plays um with with some other cats but yeah martin and i just solely dedicated to grimy really yeah. our main output that's great in our families for sure what um yeah. i mean you brought out some like heavier riffs on the second album for sure on some of those like what is tell me about that influence because i like metal too and i like i don't love it when it's extremist extreme but i do like extreme metal i like black metal and especially or my when i was a kid like the i mean i hate to be it might be cliche but the big four i mean the, the thrash gods of when i was a 16 year old also listening to reggae i was jamming metallica and slayer and Anthrax. mostly anthrax and, and megadeth yeah but, yeah are those the big four yeah that's, that's the big four the third and the fourth yeah. okay yeah anthrax sorry. um both Martin and I kind of how we got together was through classical music. Mm-hmm. When I went to Southwestern, I started off as a classical guitar major. And it was through classical music as, as an early kid that metal just kind of caught my ear. Um, I think as a guitar player, it's because the guitar is it's so front yep. and center. It's about technicality. Technical, for sure. And it's kind of what classical music is. It's about, you know, a lot of it. Yes, it's about the emotion, but there's so much technical you know, about the music itself. Um, but I was kind of the black sheep. I, mm-hmm. I don't have any friends that listen to, listen yeah. to metal. Yeah. You know, everyone's into, you know, whether it be rock or prog or electronic reggae dub. Um, but it just, I like it as extreme as it can go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and that started when I was in junior high, high school. And it was uh, getting to know a couple other people that got me into dub. Mm-hmm. And for me, Dub always had this heaviness that metal captured. 
And I always heard that it could capture that same intensity, which I think is when Marty and I started seeing sub Oslo, you know, just the bass itself. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be distorted. You don't have to have screaming, but it just had this intensity and even darkness that attracted me with, with, with metal music as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of my influences when, when Marty allows me to let those out, you know, I'll have, I'll, I'll, have, <laughs> I'll, have, I'll happily let them out. Yeah. It's, it's always been kind of part of our, our, uh, formula for grimy is, is to slap you in the face and then, yep. and then give you a hug yep. is, um, it's from the get go. And we, I think we gotten better at it than when we were younger. It's like, Oh, well let's do some, some, uh, you know, some noise and then we'll do some disco or yeah. whatever, like, yeah. stuff. Just straight, you know, a straight polka. Yeah, then a polka, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember the, being, as a kid, the metal kids, the real ones who were like, yeah, dude, like, be like, what do you listen to? I listen to metal, you know, maybe a little classical, you know. They were into like, yeah. that, that would be yeah. like a thing to say. Like they were into like that technical, complex music, which shit. I mean, I love, uh, because that's the thing with anything, like both ki- any kind of music can be done very wrong. Absolutely. Very right. So it's kind of hard. There's so much like really terrible metal. Absolutely. And and a lot of it comes from people trying too hard copying something else. But when it's great, it's great. I mean, have you ever made the pilgrimage to Norway? I I never have. It's definitely on my my uh, my bucket list. Uh, It's traversed through through your. Have you been? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I'd love, I'd love to go and visit some of those old black metal spots. And, yeah, no, yeah. it's crazy because for some reason Norway back in the you know around your era, the oh seven oh eight, and when we were really you know they for some reason they were like the place that was into Houston rap before really a lot of places they knew little Kiki and stuff over there it was crazy. Interesting. And Devin always does real well. Devin the dude does well. Yeah, so we, yeah. I've been there a lot and got to check out some of that stuff. And it's uh it's really crazy. It's really. Because you know, just like going to Houston and seeing the Houston rap or whatever, you go over there and you really see the real deal, yeah. the people who made it, and it's amazing. And I also knew Peter Best, so he would send people oh, wow. he'd be like, can you put so-and-so on the show, on the list? I'd be like, yeah, sure. And oh, that's meet, cool, man. Yeah, meet guys, yeah. Yeah, one day. One day. I'll you, know, you come from it. a long line of Vikings, so yes. one day you'll return to the motherland. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we must get you guys over there. That'd be, that'd be a blast to get over to Europe. You know, especially where I know uh, dub in that genre is very much appreciated. Man, I mean, that's spots, the thing you know? for a group like y'all. That's it's a no brainer. You need to get over there and get in front of those people because it's you can do well here, especially West Coast and different places. that people are open to these sort of sounds, but the uh, over there, there's the overall appreciation for music and willingness to try something new and see something. It's just it feels so good. You yeah. see it when you when you go and see it with your own eyes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can make it happen one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been to I'm the here. to the metal record store that opened up out in Lakeway? Do you know about that? I do not know about that. With Lakeway and metal, huh? Dude, no, seriously. What's it called? Oh, it's like NVM Productions, I think, or NVN. They started in the Bay, and like everyone moved to Texas. Huh. Oh. It's a it's a black metal store, like death metal. It's, they have the most thorough selection of vinyl cassettes. No, you got you'll go. You should go today. It's um. Dude, seriously, you go out 620 okay. and pass, it's called Eastern Front Records. You pass the Mansfield Dam, and just a little bit further down on the left, there's a vape shop 
Of course, there's a vape shop. There. And uh, <laughs> and I only know this because DJ Jester once wanted to go to the Westlake Goodwill. He's like, they're rich out there. It'll be great. And, and then, but his real motivation was he wanted to go to this particular vape shop that had this particular vape juice. That's the only reason I knew because when I was driving out there, I was like, I took a left at that vape shop, and it's a really nondescript building on a side road, and it's mecca. All right. For music, I, for metal. I had you. no idea. I'd love to check it out. Don't you might go broke. Yeah, that's stuff. possible. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, the the patches, <laughs> the patch selection. <laughs> really, it's crazy. They do it all. <laughs> yeah, Interesting, everything, man. man. Eastern Front. I'll send Eastern you. Eastern Front. Okay. I'll send you their uh, Instagram out. stuff when uh, and you can check it out. But it was like that was really insane. And so, a Lakeway. I mean, I don't know if it's actually yeah. Lakeway, but it's just past the Mansfield Dam. So yeah. I think that's Lakeway or whatever that neighborhood is. Yeah. It's not even a neighborhood. It's just 620. Yeah. And it's uh, one of the cool things to come out of the changes in Austin. You know, we complain. <laughs> people, I do. I complain all the time. You know, sure. all the things changed and all oh, this and that. And then all of a sudden we've got a the world's premier metal record shop. I can't see one being better than that. I'm not kidding. All right. It's crazy. Pil- pilgrimage accepted. Yeah, you have yeah. to. And another, we went to see uh, HR from the Bad Brains a few weeks ago at Kick Butt Coffee. Yeah, I heard about that show. And it was like, it was just one of those things where it was like, it's HR. Yeah. On a Thursday at a little ass place. Yeah, we're going to go, you know, and it was all right. But the bass player from Sublime lives here, I guess, and got on stage with them. Huh. Which is like, that's that happened at Kick Butt Coffee. Interesting. It's some Austin shit. That's what yeah. happens when when it's, it's good when the goings are good, man. These things, these crazy little things happen. It's those little spots, man, where you where you find that magic still happening. You know, really? I just watched the uh, I think it's 1982 Bad Brains at, uh, at CBGB. At CBGB, man, nothing touches that. That's uh, insane show. I yeah. think I would have been up like on the edge. I wouldn't have been in the mix of that. It was, but <laughs> I have a DVD. I have that DVD. It's, it is insane, yeah. and it was like a. December 24th, 25th, 26th, it yep. compiled. Yep. Yeah. Insane. And I didn't I didn't see the Bad Brains till 89, but I've seen them a few times since then. And, and then the last time they played Mohawk, which is where you'll be on uh, the 24th. Yeah. They played, uh, and HR didn't really sing a word. Mm. Like, the band was just raging and getting pissed at him, and he was just standing in front of the mic like catatonic. And it was really... Yeah the weirdest thing. And in the documentary, it touches on him doing that and them freaking out on him. And that pretty much was the end. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I tried to show it to my boy, Moses six. And I mean, he's, he's got a good taste in music and it was just a little bit, a little bit too hard for him. Mm-hmm. So we, we watched a couple tracks and then he was like, I get it. They do punk and they do dub. Can we watch something else? Yeah. Right. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, Fair enough. Well, man. So you say you have another, another album in the can. We gotta, or yeah, it's written. We just gotta, you know, we gotta track it. We were just talking to Johnny about that. He has a friend uh, named Cheeks down in San Antonio. We're gonna see if maybe we can get into his studio next spring, summer, something like that. You know, do do the push on this one. We were super excited about this record, but this is just, uh, it's something that's been what three, four years, and five years that we've been writing for this. It's it's been a while. Yeah, absolutely. It's been several years. And it's, you know, it's a story about a, a, a god that lives in the ocean that um, falls in, well, that goes to war with the volcano goddess. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of a star-crossed lover situation. And that 
fodder leads to so much good writing, you know, especially whenever you have to have a, an epic battle and you have this guy on axe over here. So there's some there's some righteous scenes in there whenever you have a volcano versus a, a sea god. Man, well, I'm excited for all that and definitely excited to see you guys back on the stage again. Hopefully you won't uh, disappear again. I hope we, we won't. We're not going anywhere. No. I'm, you know, we're we're all here. Uh, and Matt Beebe and his wife Kara expecting a baby. Oh, here yeah. very soon. Yep, yep. We're all very excited to have a young Grimling uh, coming. So we'll be taking. Uh, we'll take. We're going to do this show, and then we're going to be doing stuff behind the scenes that we we'll back this fall too, and be hitting it for real this time. Excellent, man. I can't wait. And definitely great to catch up with you guys again and sit down, chat too, a little man. bit. I hope uh, this record goes really well and everybody gets to hear it because it's definitely, you know, after these couple of years and a lot of just you know, crazy shit, it's uh, it's really um, one for the head. For yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, it really felt good to hear you guys again. And, I mean, I thank you for that. You know, thank you, man. Thank you, man. If people are looking for this album, want to hear this, want to hear all your works and get in contact, is there any place? Uh, well, yeah, grimystyles.com. We're doing pre orders now for it, it'll be shipping yeah. out um, in any day now, really. Excellent. Um, and uh, we'll have them all the you know, all the good stores around town, into veneer being my local haunt, but of course at Waterloo and try and get some distribution out there as well. Breakaway, there's about 10 record stores now in Austin, too. Yeah, let's do it. Somehow those survived. Yeah, good thing they did. I was actually, as an aside, I was out at Piranha Records in Round Rock, and that guy said that as crazy as it is, like the pandemic, his sales went crazy because everybody was just kind of at home doing their thing. People went and bought a stereo or wanted records. It was something that people got into all of a sudden, and he said his sales went crazy. I'm so glad to hear that. We did plenty of curbside pickup at that time. It was so exciting. to. And he was Round Rock, so he didn't give a shit. You can come right in. (laughs) <laughs> walk right in as soon as the the shit was lifted yeah and he was uh slanging records for sure and that that's crazy to think like even in our suburbs in lakeway and round rock there's badass record stores yeah sundance is open again yeah they're in san marcus they're back it's same location no new new no. location okay um you know that that was one of my first jobs was it i was i was at the time i was the youngest uh employee ever to work at sundance wow records. that was back in the 90s was Greg Ellis there? Um, I think he was later. I'm not sure if he was. Because um, he's he was a writer for he is a writer and did stuff with us at the Houston Press. But um, did you ever go to the record store that was at the Oasis? No. It's crazy. God, man, see, my brain is so slow. The name of it. They, he he since closed, but he went through the pandemic as well. And uh, no, the because you know the Oasis had burned down at one time, right. and, and I don't know if you've been there in modern times, but it's like a whole complex, mm-hmm. like it's, it's huge and all kinds of stuff, you know, cheesy kind of touristy stuff. But there was a straight up vinyl shop for a while. No, I didn't know that. It was crazy. You know how you got that Sundance job as a kid? I was I used to go there and be <laughs> like, man, everyone's so cool here. I feel like such a dork. Did you nail? I mean, just same like you getting that DJ mm-hmm. gig. Yeah, I was just like the coolest 17-year-olds I know. Yeah. I was in there all the time. Yeah. You know, with my T-shirt and my necktie on. Man, I tried to get a job at a record store when I was 14, which was too young for them to hire me. And I was adamant because it was like at the mall. And, in the you know, up in Pennsylvania in the winter, you do a lot of mall hanging. As like a Sam Goody or something? or We had a Music Land and a Sam Goody and a National Record Mart. And uh, this one, the, the one that was cool was Record Den. And... Uh, 
I would buy records that, you know, they would be, the people working, the cool guys would be like, whoa, how do you know this? And I'm like, yeah, I love this, you know? And uh, I would hassle them, like, I want to work here, come on. And they're like, well, we have a test. And it was like a four page, like, I don't know how many questions it was, but it was a, like a music trivia quest. I was like, give me that test. And probably like a hundred questions. And I missed one. I don't remember what the question was. I know that the, I missed, the answer was Bob Dylan. I don't remember what exactly what the question was exactly but i came in and i was like boom it's <laughs> like i'm sorry you're 14 <laughs> I was like, come on man but that's awesome i digress and i definitely just want to say thank you guys once again everybody grimystyles.com the central spot yeah well thanks for coming down and, here man um, i know you had to cross the river to come down to south austin appreciate man, it y'all are worth it i'll cross right. the river for you guys <laughs> and i'll even go to downtown austin for you guys all guys. right that's big yeah. I'm going to be on Red River. Shit. It's big for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, leaving South Austin. Man. Uh, and I will mention uh, at Mohawk, we have Lysergic lights. So we're going to have that, like, you know, the old school oil and color. Ah, dope. Psychedelic lights. So yeah. prepare accordingly. For sure. I'm with it. Already, thank you guys all for tuning in to another episode of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. You know uh, what I always say, tell a friend to tell a friend. Please subscribe, like, or do whatever y'all do with podcasts on whatever platform you're on. And uh, again, hit me up, Talk So Realist on Twitter and Instagram. There is no Facebook. And Matt at Pushermania.com is probably the best place to email me. I'd love to hear any uh, questions, critiques, whatever you got. Hit me up. Thanks a lot, y'all. Peace.